Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. everyone welcome to group text i don't know about the rest of you but i've been having weird dreams it's been all over the news and you can't open a magazine online or anything and not hear about people talking about these incredibly vivid crazy dreams so we've got some great guests today of course sabrina miller who i miss seeing i only see you now on zoom Okay, well, we're always connected, Melissa. No matter where we are, we not, may not be able to touch, but we're connected. Oh, God, you are just full of sarcasm this morning. We also have Lori Quinn Lowenberg, who is a professional dream analyst, and Dr. Jay Corsandi, who is a sleep expert. So we got all the bases covered, but I'm just going to jump right in with you, Lori. What is going on with all these crazy dreams. I mean, everywhere you turn, people are just having these intense, nutty, insane dreams. Why? I think it's wonderful. I know a lot of these dreams aren't fun for the people having them, but it really is a wonderful thing. And the reason why we're remembering our dreams so much more is because so many of us aren't having to wake up super early to an alarm clock to get ready to go to bed. So we're spending more time in bed and we're able to reach that last cycle of REM sleep, which is the longest of all of them throughout the night. That last cycle can be 45 minutes long. That is also the one that we tend to remember the most and the one that has the most meaning. And the reason why the dreams are so bizarre and so stressful lately is because we're in a very bizarre and stressful time. And our dreams are a continuation of our thoughts from the day. So do you think these vivid dreams that people are having, I mean, I understand they're sort of a manifestation of anxiety, but this is a first for a lot of people and people don't necessarily know why this is happening. So I wonder if it ratchets up people's anxiety in a strange way. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And it absolutely can, because if you're getting upsetting dreams and you don't understand it, it kind of creates a vicious cycle and then you get scared to go to sleep. And, and, I, and people really really need to understand that your upsetting dreams and your nightmares are actually the most important dreams of all. Why is that? They're your helpers. They're shining a light on and alerting you to something that's wrong in your life so that you can correct it. We tend to, our difficult issues, we tend to push away, ignore, try not to deal with. So when we go to sleep, the subconscious mind rises to the surface and says, look, I've got you now. You can't avoid this. Let's go through this issue and try to work on it and correct it. What are the most common types of recurring dreams? So the most common types of recurring dreams, and let me know if you get any of them. Have you had the one where your teeth fall out? No, Sabrina, have you? 
No. For most of us, the teeth falling out dream is connected to loose speech. Saying something without thinking about it first, saying something you wish you could put back in your mouth and keep there permanently like your teeth. Wow. Sabrina, I'm surprised you and I haven't had that dream. Uh Yes, definitely. (laughs) You must have no regrets. Well, that ain't ain't, ain't true, but regardless. (laughs) So what are the other ones? Okay, so teeth falling out. Okay, so dreaming that your partner is cheating on you is also super common. I've had that one. I've had that one. What does it mean? Okay, so now unless, you know, there's no infidelity in your past and the stream seems to be coming out of nowhere, it doesn't mean that your partner is cheating on you, but it does mean you feel there's a third wheel in the relationship. Usually that third wheel is something like work or Xbox or fantasy football, or maybe a new baby, something that's taking your partner's time and attention that you wish you could have for yourself. And it's causing you to feel cheated out of that time you want with them. I heard also tidal wave. Yeah, tidal waves are super common um, when we're going through stressful times. Water and dreams will tend to reflect our emotions at the time of the dream because like water, our emotions are very fluid. So when you have threatening water or tidal waves, that's a good indication you're feeling very overwhelmed emotionally to the point that your emotions are beginning to overtake you, sweep you away from your normal peace of mind. Dr. J, I I, want to ask you, why are we sleeping so poorly? Because I don't know, I literally am exhausted because I'm not sleeping well. And yet I've been making a big effort to stay on a fairly normal sleep schedule. You know, it's interesting because I've heard both ends of the spectrum. I've heard a lot of people say they're sleeping better than they ever have. And I've heard also a lot of people say they're sleeping worse than they ever have. Uh, For the people that are sleeping better, I think like Lori had mentioned, uh, a lot of people aren't waking up to go to work. So you can leave your alarm clock off and and wake up naturally, which is how I recommend people wake up anyways. And the more you can do that, the longer you'll stay in REM sleep and the more benefits you get. From a biological standpoint, REM sleep is when we are consolidating memories. It's when hormones are regulating and balancing. And for my patients who don't get a lot of REM sleep, they're often miserable. They're on uh, depression medications and and they're not happy people. But uh, as far as why people are not getting good sleep, I mean, it's it's a stressful situation. It's tense. There's, uh, I mean, you could go outside and go, just go to the grocery store and just see everyone's wearing masks. It looks like a zombie apocalypse. I mean, I get stressed out when I go there as well. And, and I think throughout the day when we see if we're on a lot of media and, and soaking up a lot of information that's doom and gloom and catastrophic, that's going to pour over into your, your sleep at night and that's going to manifest as poor sleep. Right. I mean, I have insomnia in the best of time. I mean, what should I be doing? Because yeah. in, 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 like I said, in the best of times, I mean, Sabrina can attest to this. She'll come in in the morning and I will literally look like I'm, I'm, have, didn't sleep at all, which I yeah, usually and- didn't, haven't. So if you were kind of predisposed to insomnia, uh, that's going to make this a lot worse. But what I would say is focus on some fundamental sleep hygiene things, you know, trying to not eat dinner too late. These are the things that I talk about in my own podcast and on on my, uh, all my social media is, you know, stay away from eating too close to bedtime. You want to have at least two hours before you stop eating and go to sleep. Stay away from blue light devices. And what are blue light devices? So your cell phone, the TV, iPads, laptops, computers, uh, these things at night 
emit a blue light that goes into our eyes and that's going to block melatonin release. And melatonin is what's going to help us fall asleep. So the more you can promote that, the better you're going to sleep. Same thing with food. Whenever we eat food, people don't know this one. When you eat food at night, uh, this elicits what's called an insulin response. Insulin levels go up in the body to bring the blood sugar back down that you just ate. The problem with that is insulin is antagonistic with what's called melatonin. So they don't like each other. So the more insulin you have, the less melatonin you're going to have. And that's one of the reasons why you're going to fall asleep more difficultly uh, if you eat too late at night. And the other is too, is if you have a bunch of food in your stomach, your body is going to want to focus on digesting that rather than focusing on giving the energy to the sleep. But what about, you know, everyone talks about Thanksgiving, everyone eats and then passes out watching football. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on with that. I mean, there's probably alcohol. There's a bunch of food. You know, they always say that the turkey and the tryptophan and things like that. I think it's a combination of just overdoing it and overindulging and just uh, blowing out all of your body's ability to, to sleep normally. And you might fall asleep faster, but your sleep quality is going to be a lot more diminished as well, too. So, Lori, how tied together are sleep quality and dreams? And dream recall. Yeah. The interesting thing about that is the lighter of a sleeper you are and the worse sleep you get, actually, the better you're going to recall your dreams. Because if you are a, a heavy sleeper and you sleep the whole night through, you're going through all your cycles of REM, but you're not waking up, or at least you're not waking up enough after each cycle of REM to remember it. So you're lucky to remember just that one dream in the morning right before you wake up. So if you're like me and you have to get up two or three times a night, um, I remember all my dreams. Really? Mm -hmm. When did you get interested in dream analysis? Well, I've been interested in my dreams since I was like two years old. And I would drive my parents crazy trying to explain to them what happened to me that night. When I got older, I started keeping a dream journal and drawing my dreams and it really wasn't until I was 19 and my grandfather died and he was the first person close to me to die. So it was like the first death I experienced and I got very depressed. And about two weeks after that, I had a dream of him and it, it really felt like it was him. And he was with me. We're walking through a museum and I, I knew he was dead and I asked him what it was like where he's at. And he said, I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is that it's secure. And then he hugged me and I woke up and I could smell his old spice and feel him. And that made me think, I have to figure out what this is. Where are we going? Why do we do this? Does it mean anything? And so that propelled me to study dream psychology. I have a question for you, Lori. Um, I've been told that when you have dreams about loved ones that have passed away, that either they're coming to give you a message to protect you um, some people believe that, you know, they become fearful that they've seen or they've dreamed about someone that has passed on. What is the association? Um, how are we to interpret those type of dreams that we, when we dream of a loved one or someone that's passed on, how mm -hmm. do we deal with that? That's a good question. Now, of course, I certainly cannot confirm that those that have passed on can communicate with us while we're in the dream state, but I, I like to think that they can because I've certainly had experiences that feel like it, you know, but that's also not to say that every time you dream of someone that has passed on that it's their spirit coming through, but most of the time and psychologically speaking, they represent a part of ourself. For example, if you dream of your mother who's passed on, she most likely will represent your own role as a mom if you're a mother or that part of you that's like her or that's very nurturing and caring and mothering to others. What about 
and, and Dr. J, I think this might be for you. What about night terrors? There's that, that I forget what they're actually called where you're sort of not really asleep. You're in that sort of light phase and you have these very vivid, frightening dreams and you can't move and you can't wake yourself up. Oh, yeah. sleep paralysis. Yeah, sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, so sleep paralysis, what you're talking about is, is a dysfunction where uh, our brain dissociates between REM sleep and, and being awake. You know, when we go into REM sleep and start dreaming, our bodies paralyze. Uh, and the only things that are going to function are going to be your eyes, your diaphragm, and your heart, and obviously your brain. So, well, I'm not sure my brain functions sometimes when I'm oh. actually fully awake. So, there you go on that one. So, yeah, uh, what will happen though is imagine you're in this dream state where your body's paralyzed, but then your eyes open or you wake up and you're aware of this. This is what's called that sleep paralysis or, or night terror. Uh, a lot of people have associated this with alien abductions and things like that as well, too. So, uh, it whoa, hasn't whoa, happened. Whoa. Well, back up. Back up. <laughs> now you've introduced a whole nother Oh, no. Whole we just opened up a whole new can of worms. <laughs> so, how does how does alien abductions? I mean, Lori could probably talk about this as well, too. Yeah. Or demon possession or hauntings. Oh, okay. Now I'm really yeah. interested. Okay. <laughs> talk to me about this. Okay. So, because you're in that in between state, hypnagogia is what it's called. Hypnagogia? Um, yeah. So, so you're, you've got a foot in both worlds. You're, you're, you're still in REM, but you're also awake and aware of it. And so that's why a lot of people can't figure out, I don't know if I was dreaming or not. And there's a really weird symptom that comes along with sleep paralysis, where you feel a presence in the room, a dark, evil presence in the room. You'll feel it sit on your chest or sit on the edge of the bed, or maybe it's just lurking in the corner. And because it's so real, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, my house is haunted or I'm being possessed. Um, and they think the worst. And the reason why it's such a, a fearful experience is because when you're stuck in the state, the amygdala, which is the emotional center of the brain, is very highly active. So the fear is like amplified mm -hmm. during this. But what I tell my clients who, who suffer from this, turn this into a lucid dream where you can since you're still, REM is still happening, you can take control and like will that dark presence in the corner into Brad Pitt. <laughs> or you can just ask a question or you can float up out of your body and float around. It, it, it can turn into a magical experience once you understand what's happening and that you can but how do you, it. How do you, if you're sort of half asleep, how do you train yourself to do that? Because I have had that a number of times in my life. I mean, I so, can still remember them. Yeah, you don't forget that sort of experience. Uh -uh. So, But now that you understand it and know what it is and what you can do with it, you'll probably still have enough consciousness to remember this and go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. My favorite thing to do is ask a question because you will get an answer. I don't know what your answer will be, but you'll get an answer. Well, you know, whenever I slept and felt like an uneasy presence, just from dealing with spiritual craziness. If I'm feeling uncomfortable, I'll say, you're not welcome here. And for whatever reason, that brings me comfort. If it feels like a negative energy that is present in my space. And maybe that's just because I'm a badass person, but uh, and I need my sleep. I'm like, Melissa, I totally suffer from insomnia. So when I'm sleeping, I need my sleep and I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to interfere with it. And if it really is a spirit, man, they picked the wrong person to come to. <laughs> She's like, get out. <laughs> this is my time. 
Dr. J, you do so many sleep studies. How does this show up? I mean, explain a sleep study. So in, in my area of specialty or expertise is what's called sleep disordered breathing. So that's going to be things like snoring and sleep apnea. And that's going to be the majority of the reasons why you're going to want to do a sleep study. And what that's going to do is it's going to measure your sleep from a biological standpoint. Things like how many hours you're sleeping, how many times per hour you stop breathing, which is an apnea score, your snoring levels, your REM sleep, uh, your body position, body temperature, breath rate. I mean, all these variables will shift throughout the night. And what we'll get is a report generated and that report is going to tell us, okay, this is the end result of, of your night of sleep. And then from that, we can go ahead and come up with a game plan of how to get it better. Now there's an easier way to do this as well for consumers. There's these things called the aura ring. Which yeah. Cooper this. and I both just started wearing the aura ring. What was your score last night? I'm looking I... it up. Uh, oh, bad, bad, bad. 53. 53. Explain to us what that means. Yeah. yeah. So what these scores are, this is kind of an aggregate score of all these different variables, things like your resting heart rate, your total amount of time asleep, uh, what's called efficiency is how much time in bed versus how much of the time of that in bed that you were asleep. Uh, you don't want to get I in bed. I was in bed seven hours and 21 minutes. Yeah. And how many, how much were your total sleep time? Four hours and 47. Yeah. So there's about a three hour difference there of, of time that you weren't efficient there. So your efficiency goes down, but uh, that's the score. And what'll happen is every day you can kind of see how that score fluctuates. The goal is obviously to get better and better numbers. So you can start feeling better and sleeping better. We should talk afterwards. I'll show you some, some tips and tricks. The other week I discussed how I failed meditation. Apparently I'm failing sleep as well. Lori, are you a good sleeper? Most of the time I am. Once a month, I have insomnia. Ah, and that's hormone, usually hormonally based. Yes. Yeah. Is that hormonal, Lori? I believe so. And it happens same time every month like clockwork. I've oh. got a hack for that, by the way, too. Do and, you? What yes. is it? Yeah. So for, for women that have that hormonal challenge of sleep, uh, it could be a temperature-related thing as well, too. You're having <laughs> hot flashes and you're saying you think it's a temperature-related no, issue? I can tell you it is. <laughs> so, so here's something really cool that you could do, no pun intended. Uh, one is obviously you could turn the air on or a fan or things like that. But what I have in my house is, is bed cooling systems, things called a chili pad or a bed jet. And these will actually circulate cold water or air through your mattress and your sheets and cool mm -hmm. your body down without having to cool the whole house down. And you'll get into a deeper sleep because the body sleeps more efficiently the cooler it is. But how does this work? What do you have got to run a, a, a line from your sink to your bed? <laughs> no, no. It's a, so it's, it's, a little it's a little box that sits by the side of the bed. Um, and the chili pad works with water. You, you pour like a little cup of water into it and it connects to a pad that you sleep on top of and it cools the water and then circulates it underneath you. Uh, and then the bed jet, it's kind of the same idea, but with a fan. So it's blowing cool air from the top sheet down through a special sheet. So they're just small little boxes. That sit by Does the, bed. the water pad vibrate? Because that'd be fun. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a water bed from like the 70s. No, okay. it, it's pretty uh, unnoticeable. It, it sounds similar to what I was just using actually on my knee from my knee surgery, which is the ice machine, they call it. And it's just these pads and it just circulates. Yeah, same idea. It's a idea. little bit noisy. You do a lot of sort of physical treatments for sleep issues, starting with, was it you laser the, what is it? The uh, uvula? Yeah. So it's called night laser. It's a, it's a procedure where we use a laser in the back of the throat. So what's happening at night, especially as we get older, we, we lose uh, 
collagen and, and, and our tissues begin to sag and fall and get looser. And Tell flatten. that to my ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, so imagine the tissues in the back of the throat where the, where the soft palate kind of curves down and the uvula, like you mentioned, all that tissue is, is flapping around and get looser as air crosses it, which causes sleep disorder breathing or snoring or, or just disrupted airflow. So what I do is I use a laser inside the throat, in the back of the throat there. It's not a surgery, so we're not numbing or burning or cutting, but we're using what's called low-level laser light therapy and basically stimulating or regenerating that tissue so it tightens up and makes more collagen. It actually comes from the world of vaginal rejuvenation. Same laser, actually. It helps people uh, tremendously. It's another way to kind of just, you know, things are going to start to fall apart. This is the way to fight back. Wow. What about sleep? And I'm noticing this with my son who has been sleeping terribly and having crazy dreams. How do you address this with like teens and kids and children? Lori, what are, are you seeing, hearing different things about people's kids having crazy dreams? Yeah. First of all, pinpoint what's causing the dream. And then the way to do that is ask yesterday, what was the most upsetting thing that happened to you? That's typically what will have caused the bad dream. Correct that if you can. Also for the younger children, I tell the parents to have them draw out the dream or like write it out in comic book form, but create a new and better ending to it where they feel they have control over the situation. And then the subconscious responds with better dreams. So we've got some people lined up to actually ask about sleep issues and dreams. And I've got a couple of dreams right in front of me too. So let's start with our, our first call in. Hello, long time listener, first time caller. Hi, I'm Aliza. <laughs> big fan, big fan. So yeah, I've been having the craziest, craziest, craziest dreams in quarantine, like other level. Um, so should I just tell my dream? And Yeah, then- tell us okay. your dream. Well, here's like one of a million, but this one I had to write down because it was that insane. Okay, so first of all, it starts with dinner with the Obamas and my parents, (laughs) because that makes total sense. And they were super sweet, really humble. And Julie Klausner could barely squeeze her seat in next to me because Mayor Pete was trying to shove his way in. And he was whining to Obama saying, quote, you got to bring me in. This is awful. <laughs> or the Obamas were like not caring about Pete. All they wanted to know was what, sh- what I was up to, what shows I'm producing. So it was really, they were just super focused on me. <laughs> Lori? Okay, <laughs> lots of work through here. So um, the subconscious will borrow things from our day, like something we watched, something we talked about, and incorporate it into our dream story in order to give a message to us. So describe them in three words. Rays of light. Okay. Has something felt like a ray of light for you recently in these difficult times? No, but I think that they probably represent perhaps leadership that I would be excited to see right now. Or hope. Would they represent hope? hope? They represent hope for sure. Okay. They do. Well, that was really, really cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, (laughs) you guys. Thanks for joining us. Who else is here? Hi, this is Masa. Hi, Masa. How are you? This is a big fan. Thank you. Now you've had one of the fav- my favorite dreams that I've heard recently. Yes, here we go. So I'm entering Costco, long lines. Everyone is wearing masks. 
you know, the whole gloves, no one's talking to anyone. We're just going with our cards and pushing. And then all of a sudden I'm walking through the aisles and I see there's a room that the kids can go in there and can zoom and get online tutoring. So all the moms drop them in there. Nobody talks. And, and it's a very dark dream. There's no light. You know how Costco is lit up. But in this dream, it's uh, very dark. And I'm, I'm looking because I feel like I'm, I'm suffocating in there. Like nice. just not just physically, but emotionally. So I drop my kids at the Zoom. And when I go around, I see there's a door. And I open the door. And there's a beautiful beach with sand and music and just the old world, like, like one of my Mexico trips that I take annually with my family. And I'm like, it was just, I even, I'm even getting goosebumps talking about it now because it's, it feels so long ago that we had any of this. And I immediately call for my family and we all run out and there's music and I just close the door and that's it. And I don't look back. Okay. That's a great dream actually. And I think it reflects how so many of us are feeling and several interesting elements in it. Um, The long lines, which Mm -hmm. there are long lines at places like that, but also the long line, whenever you're in a line in a dream, it represents something you're having to wait for in real life. So we're all waiting for this to be over. You also mentioned it was dark as opposed to Costco is always very brightly lit. Exactly. Okay. Have you been depressed? Um, not really. I've been anxious. Okay, good. Um, cause typically there's, there's two main reasons our dreams will be dark. Mm-hmm. The most common reason is because we're going through a depression and that is a reflection of our dark, uh, emotional mm-hmm. psychological state. The second most common reason our dreams are dark is when we're dealing with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We are in the dark about yep. a situation. That's yeah. yeah. The Mexico scene. Yeah. So, so that's clearly representative of what's going to be on the other side of this. You know, once we get through that long line at Costco, there's going to be music and light and oh, yeah, <laughs> we can celebrate. So, yeah, your subconscious is just encouraging you saying just stick it out in this long line. We're going to get there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. So, bye. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thanks. We heard about this dream about this guy said, I dreamed a giant bald eagle landed on my bed and was flapping its wings. How interesting. Okay. So without having him here to ask him questions, my professional assessment is that this is his need for freedom. The eagle is freedom and it's flapping its wings because he wants to fly out of this lockdown. And it's in his bed because, well, probably because he spends a lot of time in bed, maybe even sitting in bed working. I love how these dreams are showing us that we still have so much hope. Alcohol consumption, though, has been much higher than normal. Um, How does alcohol affecting our dreams? I'm not asking for anyone that might have every now and again been known to have a cocktail Sabrina because she's never had a drink or two or a bottle of wine and a straw. <laughs> we, we could be best friends, Sabrina. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me. So, so alcohol. Notice isn't, she isn't denying it. No denial. <laughs> uh, alcohol is, is the number one used sleep medication in the world. 
it's so common. And the problem with alcohol is that, yes, it can make you a little bit more drowsy and sleepy. The problem is it reduces your REM sleep, which is what we're talking about dreams. Uh, so you're going to have poor quality sleep. You might fall asleep easier, but your sleep quality is going to suffer. And alcohol tends to dehydrate us. And sleep itself is a dehydrating process because we're breathing out water vapor. So uh, that could wake you up more in the middle of the night, more bathroom trips. Uh, and you're going to wake up, you know, hungover is obviously one of the biggest ones, but just even a few drinks uh, can really diminish sleep quality. Uh, generally, the rule of thumb that I tell people is if you're going to drink, uh, give yourself at least one hour per one drink. Uh, so if you're going to have like four cocktails, four hours, you know, something like that. Well, aren't you well, the enemy of fun? Hours before you go to sleep. Right. So stop drinking within that number of hours per times the number of drinks you had. I have so a little words, hangover tip. Okay, let's hear it. I think obviously interested? that means we just get to start drinking earlier if we're just, back. Just drink this. earlier. Yeah. Exactly. I want to hear the hangover tip. Okay. Grape Pedialyte will prevent hangovers like magic. Well, it's because of the dehydration. Yeah. And it's so, good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's tasty. Would you I, like a, a tip on how you can remember your dreams every morning? Sure. Okay. It's the easiest thing in the world. Whenever you wake up, whether it's in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or you're waking up for good in the morning, stay in the exact same position you woke up in because that's the position your body was in when you were dreaming. If you roll over and move, it's like unplugging yourself from the dream you were just in seconds ago. So just stay put, quiet your mind, don't think about anything, and give yourself five minutes of quiet still time to let that dream come back to you. You may only remember just a song on your mind or just, I remember seeing a dog. Great. Write it down. And the more you do this, it's like a muscle. The stronger your dream recall will get. And you'll start remembering more and more of your dreams. And before you know it, you might even remember all your dreams every night. Um, okay. So I've been saving my crazy dream for last. I haven't been dreaming very much at all, a little bit now. But this is a dream I used to have. I used to call it my stress dream. And I would have it before every live red carpet show. Here it goes. I would be in, you know, a Woody, the old cars, the surf cars. I would be in a Woody with, this is going to be so bizarre, Nicolas Cage. And I couldn't get the doors open and there were no, you know, it had the manual locks and I, there were no locks. And I, 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 I know him. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm trapped with a stranger. And he kept saying to me, relax, relax. It's going to be okay. We're, you're going to get there. We're going to get there. And I couldn't get the car door open and would be panicking. Cut to on the red carpet. This is where it gets bizarre. Arguing with John Cusack about whether my dress was navy or black. And all I would do would be yelling at him. It's Vera Wang. It's Vera Wang. <laughs> and then I would wake up and I would that to me always represented that I was ready and prepared for our live show. Explain that bunch of crazy. Okay. Interesting. I can see Sabrina laughing over there. Okay. So look at the argument with John Cusack as an argument with yourself about how you would appear. Because you've got this one concern leading up to these events about getting the celebrities to open up and say anything. And then you've got the other concern about how you're going to look. 
Before I let everybody go, I have a final question. If you could give someone one piece of advice in your expertise, what would it be? Dr. J? I mean, I'm a little biased, but I would say focus on the sleep and be happier. Lori? Never, ever, ever disregard your dreams as, oh, it was just a dream. Uh, Thank you all so very much. This has been fascinating. Thanks for having us. Had a great time. Thank you for having us. Had a great time as well. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Melissa Rivers, and this has been Group Text.